Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Well, I hope that you've been enjoying the Jesus Follower Sermon Series. We've been reminding you every week that the life of a Jesus Follower is all about relationships. Hopefully you've got that because too many years, too many times have we really thought it was about the things that we did. And so when we're doing good things, we feel good. When something bad happens in our life, you know, we start feeling bad about ourselves. You know, we, sometimes when we're doing the good stuff, we're like, oh, Jesus loves me. You know, when we do something bad, oh, he must not like me. You know, and the reality is that's the up and down curve that we want, we want to avoid. We want to live more of a higher plane, going upward in our relationship with Jesus. And the way we do that is through relationship. We realize that the Lord Jesus Christ saved us and loves us in relationship with himself. And listen, that, that means our warts and all. Amen? When Jesus saved you, when he called you into a relationship with himself, when he died on the cross and he died for your sin on the cross of Calvary, he rose from the dead to redeem you and make you right from your sin and bring you into a relationship with himself. He loved you not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, not because you were a good church member, not because you gave a lot of money. He did that strictly on his love, amen, his unconditional love toward you. He opened your eyes spiritually that you would repent of your sin, put your faith in Christ, and be saved. Now, let me tell you something. That's how you remain saved. Amen. You continue to live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, realizing that it's about the relationship that you have with him. So therefore, we need to understand there are things that we do and there are things that we don't do, not because that makes us Christians, but because out of my love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, there's just some things I'm going to do. And then there's some things I'm not going to do. Amen. I'm married to my wife. i got a love relationship with Marina. And I'm going to tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to meet with a woman for lunch by myself outside of that relationship with my wife. Why? Because I'm evil. Amen? I don't want my heart to have any room to let anything into my life that would hurt my love relationship with my wife. Amen? Now, does Marina say, well, you're never going to eat lunch with a woman by yourself? No, she doesn't do that. She don't have to do that. Amen? Why? Because out of my love for her, there's certain things I'm just not going to do. Listen to me, y'all. You hear me? And it's the same thing with my relationship with Jesus. There's some things I'm going to do because I love Jesus. And there's some things I'm not going to do because I love Jesus. Amen? There's the way, there it is. Relationship. So I hope that you've been learning through this time together as we have this relationship with Jesus that there are Three types of relationship that Jesus sort of highlights for us in his life. That is his relationship with the Father. We've talked about that relationship over and over again. And the key word we talked about was abide. Jesus said to abide. John 15, 5. Any man remain in me and I in him, he will what? Bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this relationship that I have with Jesus, with the Father, is about abiding. It's about realizing i got to remain or abide in Jesus. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, that what we do is we have our God time. We spend some time nurturing that relationship through spending time with the Father. Amen? We get up in the morning or whatever. Remember we said, when is your best time? When is it that you can give God your best time? We don't give God the leftovers. We give him our best time. 
And we spend that time with him in what we called our God time. And then Jesus showed us how the relationship was between each other. And he did that by having a relationship with his disciples, you know. The closer Jesus got to the cross, the narrow his scope became. Did you notice that when you read the Gospels? The closer he got to the cross, the narrow his scope became. That is, that he spent more and more time pouring his life into those guys we call disciples. One of them, by the way, was the devil. His name was Judas, and he betrayed Jesus. Amen? And yet, he had the privilege of having some private time with Jesus, even though it never changed his heart. And so here we find in our relationship with each other, that the the key word is connect. What we want to do is connect with one another in relationship, and that's how we begin to have this relationship with one another, through connection. And the way we nurture that connection, the way we do that is to intentionally do two things. One, we gather. We come together and we gather together. That's what we did this morning, amen? We came together in large group time, and we've gathered in to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do that on a weekly basis. But then there is this thing that we call group time. That is, that we, we go a little smaller. For a church to really grow bigger, it needs to become smaller. For a church really to have connected relationships, you have to go smaller. We can have some relationship here this morning, and we can enjoy a handshake when we do the fellowship time, and we may connect with a few people at the end of the service, but the reality is if you want to feel connected at First Baptist Church of Little Plains, you need to be in a small group. Whether that's a Sunday school class on Sunday morning or whether that's a small group that meets either on a Sunday night or throughout the week. And we have several of those that do that. You need to connect in a small group. And that's how you nurture those relationships intentionally with one another. But then Jesus had this last relationship. The one that we're going to talk about today is his relationship to the world. You know what Jesus' relationship with the world was? He summed it up himself, his mission statement. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. That was his relationship to the world. And so as we begin to think about that relationship today, you and I need to have a relationship with the world, not by which we love the world nor the things of the world, because listen, all those things are fading away. They're, they're corrupt. We forget that as Christians. Sometimes we want to have a relationship with the world. We want the, you know, the big house, and we want the nice cars, and we want the nice clothes, and we, you know, we want to fit into the world system and what the world is doing. And so sometimes we shrink back that we're Christians, or we shrink back about how we feel scripturally about different issues because they're political issues or they're charged issues. And so we sort of hide ourselves and our Christianity away and back. Why? Because there is this system out there called the world system that is polluted by Satan himself who is, listen, today turning everything that we said is good upside down and everything that is bad upside right. We're living in a world now where people are having a hard time discerning where right and wrong really lies. You say, oh, come on, preacher. They know right and wrong. I'm here to tell you, some of them are so corrupt. Their conscience are so seared, according to what Paul told Timothy. I'm not sure they do anymore. I'm not sure they do anymore. It's a sad reality in where we live. Amen? But when we begin to think about the Word of God, and we begin to think about our responsibility to the world, the way that we nurture that relationship with the world, and intentionally have a relationship with the world, is to be intentional in what I'm going to be calling today our go time. That is that you and I need to get out of the walls of this church and we need to go into the world because we, listen, we need to spend time on mission. We need to spend time on mission with God. Amen? We need to go after the world. We need to tell the world that Jesus saves. E. Elton Trueblood said this, Evangelism is not a professional job for a few trained men. 
but is instead an unrelenting responsibility of every person who belongs to the company of Jesus. Boy, that is so powerful. That is so true. Jesus did not call Mike Foreman as a preacher to be the evangelistic person of First Baptist Church of Level Plains. No, he has called all of us. If you are here today and you call yourself a Christian, if you have been blood-bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you know that you have been saved this morning, you are called to go. It's not just my job, it's all of our jobs. It's not a profession, it's the way of life. (laughs) It's the way that Christians are to live, telling the world the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen how Mark records the words of Jesus. Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus is now walking with the disciples in bodily form. He shows up and he speaks to them. And listen what's on his heart. You would think if you were Jesus, maybe some other things you'd want to say. But listen to what's on the heart of Jesus. Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 14 and following. He says, later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. We're down to 11, remember. One is went out and hung himself. He appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief. And, he, and, and, and the hardness of their hearts because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now, I, I gotta just break this down for a second before I go on because the, the, the side note of the sermon this morning is this. Christian, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and he died for the sins of the world and on that cross he died, but on the third day he rose from the dead, if you really believe that gospel, then we cannot harden our hearts and we cannot walk in disbelief of it, but we must proclaim it. Amen? See, the problem is the disciples were nurtured and taught by Jesus. And as they were nurtured and taught by Jesus, he talked of leaving them. He talked of dying and coming back to life on the third day. Yet, when the report came, the tomb is empty. They didn't believe it. (laughs) They didn't believe it. Isn't that amazing? After he told them, and here we are, 2,000 years later, and some Christians act like it's not a reality. They act like Jesus is still in the tomb. We act like we don't have any good news to share. Can I just tell you, what better news is there? Amen. That the Savior of the world came and was born of the virgin. Lived the life that you could not live in perfect union and fellowship with God. Never sinned. Who would be who would never sin would bear our sin on the cross of Calvary. Literally, he was made sin for us in our place, dying on a cross in your place, bearing your sin dead in his own flesh in order that God would kill him on the cross, that all the wrath of God would be poured out on Jesus Christ, so much so that Jesus would say in that last hour, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? All of the weight of God's wrath was crushing him. Now separation. Why? Because sin causes separation. And Jesus would bear all that on the cross of Calvary. He would die for you. They would bury him and there would be a silent Saturday. But let me tell you something. Sunday was a whole different ball game, wasn't it? 
Sunday was a whole new day. The sun shined brighter than it ever shined before. Amen. Because Jesus Christ came out of the grave and he was alive. He was victorious. And can I just tell you, the same Jesus that rose from the dead all those many years ago is the same Jesus that lives today. Amen. I serve a risen Savior, the, the, the hymn says, right? I know that he is living no matter what they say. Why? Because listen, where is he living? He's living in the heart. He's converted your life. He's changed you. He's made you different. And we cannot be huddled up inside the church like the disciples were huddled up and say, well, I wonder, did it really happen? I wonder, is there really any impact of the gospel? Is there any difference that I can really make with this good news that has been given to me through Jesus Christ? We can't afford to sit here. We need to go into the world. And Jesus, before he sends them out, has to remind them again. Guys, this is a reality. I'm standing before you. I am alive. And he had to chastise them. He had to say, guys, why did you not believe? I mean, after all, I did miracles. After all, I raised the dead. I calmed the sea. After all, I spoke and taught as one who had authority, not as the scribes and the Pharisees. How did you not know? I told you it would be a reality. Folks, listen, I don't want to be hard on them. I wasn't there, amen? I don't want to be hard. I just know that in my life, there are times where I act like he's not alive either. Amen? Amen. And so we have to deal with our own unbelief. We have to deal with our own reality of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if you never deal with that, listen, you don't deal with that, you're not going to get beyond the walls of the church. Because then it becomes, it's not good news. That is not impactful. And you and I need to settle that account this morning. If you're here today and you're saying, you know, I've been going to this church for 100 years. Well, bless God. Let me ask you a question. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Because listen, there's a lot of people on the roll of First Baptist Level Plains throughout the hundreds of years we've been in existence. Since 1880 something, I believe it was. 86 or something like that. Somebody, no? 1880s, we've been in existence. There's probably been some that thought they were going to heaven, didn't make it. Why? Because they trusted in being a church member. What a great privilege to baptize Mr. Owen this morning. Thank you for letting me do that, sir. What a great privilege it is that he came to faith in Christ and wrestled with that for a few months. And God brought him into faith and got to baptize him this morning. There's been a lot of people been baptized in that baptistry right behind me who probably didn't make it to heaven. He said, come on, preacher. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Listen, because they trusted in being baptized more than they trusted in Jesus. They trusted in being a church member more than they trusted in Jesus. Listen, listen, your testimony shouldn't be I joined the church. Amen? My testimony should be that I came to realize I was lost and I was going to bust hell wide open. But by the grace of a living Lord Jesus Christ, he saved me. Amen? I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. Amen? I'm going to heaven because I had... In 1984, at a New Year's Eve service in a little church called Browns Mills, New Jersey. Believe it or not, there's some Baptists up there. I bowed my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and I surrendered my life. Having lived a life of sin and rebellion. Oh, I was religious at times. I went to church and you know why I started going to church there? So I could date my wife because Marina's mom said, if you don't go to church, you're not going to date my daughter. I said, well, I'll show you. I'll go to church, and I'll still date your daughter, amen? 
And I did. <laughs> but it's like an old preacher said one time, you can't stand by the side of the riverbank before too long before you fall in. <laughs> and God pushed me in, amen? And I got saved all the way in New Jersey. I'm going to heaven because the Savior saved me. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a Baptist preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a member at First Level Plains. I'm not going to heaven because I was dunked in a baptismal pool. I'm going to heaven strictly because of a Savior who died on the cross and shed his blood for me. But not only did he shed his blood for me in my place, bearing my sin and weight, taking the wrath that I deserved upon his own shoulders. But listen, he rose from the dead and he's alive. Amen. Because if he's not alive, listen, we're not going. We're not going. All right, I got to move on. You get the point though, right? We got to make it real. If it's not real in your life, if you're trusting in the wrong thing, you need to trust in the right thing. And really the right thing is the right person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we need this morning. Now, Jesus called us. Notice what Jesus did after he told them, guys, you got to believe this stuff. He, he's like, you got to believe I'm alive. Here I am in front of you. I'm alive. Why did you not believe me? Verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I just want to share three things quickly with you this morning because I want to, I'm going to wrap up this sermon series with a diagram. But listen to what Jesus gives us. First of all, he gives us our mission field. Listen to what the mission field is. He says, go into all the world. <laughs> all the world, folks. It's not just about going into our neighborhood. That's where it begins. But it's about going into all the world. Billy Graham speaking and preaching on this passage. Listen to what Billy Graham said. He said, nowhere in Mark 16, 15, nor in any similar scripture, did Christ command us to go only into the Western or capitalist world. Nowhere did he say to exclude the communist world. Now that's a different day, amen? I, I grew up under, you know, communist worry. You remember, y'all remember that, right? You remember the wall coming down? I remember vividly watching that wall come down, that great speech and the wall beginning to be broken down. You know, that was his world in which he lived in. Listen, what is our world? I'm going to tell you what our world is. We got refugees who are pouring into our nation and some of us are standing there. We don't like that and we can say we don't like that. And I got to be careful what I say. Obviously, I'm a preacher in a church and I don't want to offend anybody, but we may not like some of those things. But let me tell you something. We may not be able to help who's here, but we sure can preach the gospel while they are. Amen. What a great privilege we have to tell them the love of Jesus Christ. And we ought to care about their souls. And some of us are going to go on and embark on a trip here next week. And we're going to go because we care about souls, care about people, regardless of who they may call themselves or how they got here. What a great privilege it is to represent the Lord Jesus Christ and to be an ambassador for him no matter where we may go, whether it be out the front door of our church in Level Plains or whether it may be in Enterprise or whether it may be in Dothan or in our state or across the state or across the world, we are mandated. John Stott, one of the great theologians of yesteryear, said this. He said, we must be global Christians. He says, he goes on and says, for a global, uh, excuse me, with a global vision, vision because our God has always been a global God. And that's so true, isn't it? I'm so thankful that God didn't put the United States out and say, you're on your own. No gospel for you. I'm glad that God decided through Abraham when he said he called him, he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. You know, that all the nations of the world will be blessed 
through you. I'm so thankful that God, in that beginning time of the Evangelio in Genesis chapter 3, talked about the seed of the woman, and the seed of the woman was going to be a blessing to all generations. I'm thankful that I stand here today as a Gentile saved by a Jewish Savior named Jesus. Amen? I'm thankful that was God's plan. And it is our job now, it's our responsibility as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ out of that love relationship for Jesus is to go and to tell. Grandmamas, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That new grandbaby comes into the world, that grandbaby does something great, you want to tell everybody about it, amen? Well, granddaddies are like that too. We like talking. We do. We like bragging on our grandkids. And as we do, listen, what a great picture for us to envision our relationship with Jesus Christ and begin to tell others about Jesus. Amen? So our mission field is global. It is, it is everywhere. It is the world. That's so broad, but yet there's so many people that need to hear. But listen, when I think about that, it's not only that it's broad in reaching the world, but can I just tell you it's inclusive. That is, we shouldn't leave anybody out. That is, that we, we should tell all races of people that God saves. We, we should be a people who reaches all economical classes. Doesn't matter how rich or how poor somebody is, we need to tell them of the love of Jesus Christ. Listen, we ought to realize that, and here we go, I'm going to offend somebody, but you'll get over it in a minute. But we ought to reach all diversities of people. Now, you know what I mean in this diverse world in which we live, but how else are people going to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and live for him and to live a glorious life for the Lord Jesus but by hearing the name of Jesus preached, by hearing the love of Jesus taught, amen? How are they going to be changed? See, what we do is we act like the world ought to act like us, but the world can't act like us because they're lost. <laughs> they're without Jesus. We, we are privileged. We, we can put on the glasses of the gospel. We can put on the glasses <clears throat> of the New Testament, and we can see how God created the world. They can't. They can't. That's why they're living in diversity. Because they cannot see the truth. Our job is to preach the truth. And can I say that all belief systems need to hear Jesus too. And don't say ever, well, they're just like us. They just call their God something different. (laughs) Let me tell you something. There is only one Jesus. And he is the only one who saves. And let me tell you something. He's very exclusive. Amen? Amen? Don't ever let anybody paint you in the corner and say, well, you Christians, you think Jesus is the only way. Amen. I do. And if I preach another gospel, if I preach anything other than Jesus saves, then I might as well close my Bible up and go home because then I can live as I want to live because that's what we're saying. As long as I believe in something, I'm going to be all right. No. The greatest love story ever written is exclusive. And if we want people to hear that love story, we cannot differ from that. We cannot paint a different picture than Jesus Christ. He crucified and risen from the dead. Amen? Don't let anybody fool you into any different. Well, people just don't like hearing it. I don't care. doesn't matter. You know, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be puffed up. I'm not trying to be ignorant. And we need to go in love. But listen, you cannot change with what the world wants to hear. Again, they're lost. They don't know what they need to hear. Amen? They really don't. The second thing Jesus says in there, notice verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
is the message. What's our message, folks? You know, I've been on a lot of church visitation over my years, and you know, I can remember the first time I ever went on church visitation. It was uh, very scary because uh, I went with my associate pastor in Mississippi when I was in Emmanuel, and and Carl was this kind of guy that you know he'd just throw you out there. You know what I'm saying? Like you'd study evangelism and. You know, back then we did EE. How many of y'all did EE? You had like 15 points to EE, you know. You hope you remembered all those points. And, and so I can remember my first visitation night. We're sitting there. He sort of introduces us. And that sort of thing he goes, and Mike would like to tell you something. <laughs> wow, man. Like throw me off the cliff, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, wow. And, you know, I thought about that EE and I tried to do the EE and I tried to go through it. He, you know, cleaned it up where I muddied it up, you know. And, and we were talking about Jesus. But, you know, so much church visitation has not even been that. It's been, hey, man, let me just tell you something. We got a good church. We'd love to see you come to our church. Now, there's nothing wrong with inviting people to church, and we ought to be doing that. And I've been trying to get you to invite people to church. You got your little card. You got two of them in your bulletin today, amen? And, and listen, do me a favor. Grab an extra bulletin on the way out. You'll have four uh, because we don't want to throw them in the trash. We want to invite people to church, amen, to come next Sunday. Be with you. Nothing wrong with inviting people to church. But somewhere along the spectrum in our relationships with people, we have to give them the good news. And the good news is, indeed, good news. Can I, can I just tell you the good news? Well, let me just read my... No, I'm, I'm going to skip him. I'm going to skip him. I'm going to say it. So here's the good news. You and I were separated from a holy God because the Bible says we were born in sin. And not only were we separated from the holy God, but here's the, here's the worst news about it, is that you and I, the Bible says, no one was seeking after God. That is, no one. No one. Not absolutely no one. Nobody in this room was looking for God. You know, we try to make that pious. We try to make that, you know, well, I was. Well, no, you weren't. The Bible says you weren't, okay? You just begin to read the beginning of Romans. It said no one seeks after God. Nobody does. So we were not seeking after God. We were hopelessly separated from God because of the sin nature in which we had. And because of the sin nature in which we have, listen, we commit sins. Are you with me? So we're not sinners just because we do bad things. We're, we're sinners because we had a nature of sin inside of us that separated us from God. And here's the reality. We weren't looking for God. But here's an even worse thing. There was nothing we could do, even if we wanted to. There was nothing we could do to make it right with God. Amen? God would not accept any righteousness on our standards by which we can make it right between us and God. That is, again, going back to, I could not do enough good work in order to please God. Amen? God will not accept good work. He made that very clear in the Bible. So I was separated from God, not looking for God, nothing I could do, even if I was, to save myself, to make things better for myself. You're saying, that's bad news. Well, you've got to hear the bad news and hear good news, because here's the good news. That even though there was a hopeless situation on my side, there was a glorious hope on the other side. That is, that God would send forth his son Jesus into the world, not as plan B, but plan A. That he would send Jesus into the world, born of the Virgin Mary, in order that he would be raised up to live a perfect life. You're saying, you just said that 10 minutes ago. Some things are worth repeating, amen? That he would live a perfect life. In order that he would live, listen, perfectly to the letter of the law. In order that he would go to the cross of Calvary and be the sacrifice for your sin and my sin. What does that mean? That means when Jesus was nailed to the cross, here's the good news. The good news is that that sin nature in which you had 
was laid upon Jesus. That is that he bore it in his own flesh. Your sin nature. Not just all, listen folks, let's get beyond this. Not just the sins you committed, your very sin nature that separated from you from God, that caused you not to seek after God, amen? That puts you in a helpless situation that you could not change. That nature is what Jesus would, would take upon himself on the cross of Calvary. Not just your sins, but your sin nature. And the Bible said because he would take on your sin nature, listen, naturally what would happen? Guess what? Jesus was separated from God. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever lost a child in a department store? I'm going to tell you, it's heart-wrenching. My little son, Chris, who's now grown up to be big like me, hallelujah. I like to tease him because he's fat. I hope he listens to this sermon. We lost him one time when he was about three years old in a department store in New Jersey. Huge store. When he was finally found, he was over there playing in the crystal clocks. <laughs> Glad he didn't break anything. We had to put that little boy on a leash because he'd keep getting away. And that's when the leashes first came out. And so we had put him in a little halter thing with a leash. It's amazing. It's amazing. Started to get away, he just <clears throat> jerked him back. I'm just kidding. I knew you would like that. That's why I said it for you. <laughs> But listen, you know why it's a nightmare? Because the first time, we didn't know where our son was. We were separated from him. Now, I want you to think about all of eternity. I don't know how far back that is. I can only imagine. I can only guesswork at it. I can only do what Spurgeon said one time. Spurgeon wrote one time, he said, eternity is like you have a a giant metal ball sitting in a room. And once every 10,000 years, A dove flies down and lands on it. And when he brushes his wings, he begins to brush against that metal ball. And every 10,000 years, this is what he does. He said, when he does that, you're just beginning to think about eternity. (laughs) I mean, how long would it take for him to wear that ball down to nothing? I don't know. But eternity is even bigger than that. But for the first time in all eternity, the father would turn his face from the son. Why? Because he took your iniquity on himself, just like he did for me. And listen, when he did that, listen, remember, sin separates. And so he was separated from the Father. Think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. He did that for you. And he was pierced, and his blood poured out in order to wash away your sin because nothing else would do it. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And listen, can I, can I tell you? Only the blood of a perfect one. Not any blood, right? Only the blood of a perfect one. His name is Jesus. And he would die. Why did, why did life die? Why did Jesus put his life down? And by the way, they didn't take it from him. He laid it down. Why did he willingly lay his life down? Because the wage of sin is death. Jesus died for the wages of your sin on the cross of Calvary. But hallelujah, he rose on the third day. That's the good news. That's not hard to tell, folks. That's not difficult. Amen? Uh, that's, the, that's the news we tell people. Listen, you're separated from God, but let me tell you somebody who can bring you close. Let me tell you about somebody who can make you have a relationship with God, and it's not me. <laughs> Amen? It's Jesus. And he did all that for you, and that's the message we preach. And if you can't remember anything else, remember we talked about it a few weeks back? We talked about it in January. I'll remind you. What is your testimony? What is your testimony? I gave you a little snippet of mine about my time in 1984 in New Jersey where God saved me at First Baptist Church of Browns Mills, New Jersey. A little 
little church, about 60 folks, little white building, I'll never forget it, on a New Year's Eve service. God saved me. Let me tell you something. What's your story? Can you tell the gospel through your story? If you can't tell the gospel through your story, maybe there's no gospel. And there's where you begin. Because that's good news that Jesus would do that. Well, what's our method? What's our method? We know that the, the world is our mission field. The good news is the message. What's the method? Well, he says, and he said to them, go. Isn't it interesting Jesus didn't give us 15 methods? He said, go. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. The only limitation in methodology is preaching the gospel. You know what evangelism plan works? The one you use. The one you use. We can teach you CWT, EE, faith. We can teach a lot of different things. Net. There's a lot of variety of methodologies to preach the gospel out there. But the only one that's going to work is the one that you and I utilize in our lives. Amen? It's kind of interesting. I heard it said one time at an evangelism conference. It was not very profound. It was pretty convicting, actually, that one guy said, you know, what's interesting is, he said, what I found is more people get saved when I tell them about the good news than when I don't tell them the good news. Boy, isn't that true? If we want to see more people baptized like Mr. Owen, then what we have to do is tell the good news of the gospel. Why? Because we sure ain't going to see it without the good news. Amen? Amen? You know, this whole debate in the Southern Baptist Convention right now, does, does God save? Is it all election of God? Does man have a little free will in that? All this battle going on. Let me just tell you something. We're going to battle that till Jesus comes back. Jesus didn't say battle that till he comes back. You know what Jesus said? Go into the world and preach the gospel. And you know what I've just learned? I've learned that I can take my Bible and I can flip you upside down and I can make you believe in Calvinism. Or I can take my Bible and I can flip you upside down and make you believe it's all of man. But I'm here to tell you, I haven't figured it out yet. I just think it's God's sovereign will. He's going to save some, and some are not going to get saved. That's God's sovereign will. I can't figure out the mind of God, but I do know one thing his mind says. Go and preach the gospel. Go and tell. Amen? I do know it's through the foolishness of preaching the gospel that people get saved. I do know that. Amen? And I don't know who's listening to my sermons, but there you go. You got it. <laughs> you want to know where I stand? Leonard Ravenhill said, any method of evangelism will work if God is in it. Isn't that so true? And what, what evangelism is God in? He's in the evangelism that says, my son is the only way. My son is the only way. So let me close. Let me close the series. Let me close today. First of all, we have to go. We have a mission field. We can't pretend we don't. We had the message. And now we have the methodology. Just get up and go. Everybody we see, everybody we meet, every relationship should be leveraged for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But how do I want to wrap up this sermon series? I want to wrap it up by showing you a graphic. Guys, let's put the graphic up. This is called the 5% life. And let me just go through it with you real quick, and then we'll be done. We talked about God time. What if you would take 1% of your day and give that to the Lord? 1%. That's not a whole lot, is it? But it... This is a great starting place. What if you give 1% of your time to the Lord? That would be about 15 minutes. Now, I don't know anybody in this room who cannot give 15 minutes for Jesus. Amen? Amen? 
And, and by the way, I'm not talking about going and evangelizing for 15 minutes. I'm not talking about going to church for 15 minutes. I'm talking about you and God get alone and spend some time together 15 minutes. I can imagine this week if I said to my wife, Marina, you know how to decide it. You know, I can give you 1% of my day. I'm going to give you 15 minutes. <laughs> I don't think Marina's going to like that too much. Amen? But you know what? God's a lot more patient than my wife. If I want to know I said that, I'll tell her. But the reality is it's true. God's more patient than I am. God's more patient than you are. Amen? God is a sovereign, loving God, and he loves his children. But who in this room can't give 15 minutes, 1% of your day to Jesus? Number two there, gather time. 1% of your week. 1% of your week is about an hour and a half. I got about 10 more minutes. Amen. I'm just kidding. An hour and a half. Can we give an hour and a half of our time to gather as a body of believers to worship and give God glory in a service together and hear from the word of God? Can we do that? 1% of our time we give to group time. And that's once a month. So once a week, once a day, once a month. So once a month, can you give 1% of your time to the Lord to meet in small group? Now that's Sunday school or a small group during the week. Some of you are doing both. I know some of you sitting out there, you're doing both. Praise God. You're giving more than that much time. But can you do that? If you do that, you're talking about seven hours a month. Can you give seven hours of your month to meet in small group, Sunday school or outside that? And lastly, can you give 2% of your year, 2% of your year to go time? You know that equates to about seven days a year to go on mission with God. Now, that, that may look like a mission trip. That may look like going to your neighbor across the street with a, a thing of cookies and the gospel. Amen? Can you give seven days a year where you say, you know what, God? These seven days of my year, they're yours. I'm going to do something in the way of missions for you. Think about that. That's really not hard. 5%. Think about this. 5% of your life. That's a great starting place because you know what? What does Jesus really want? He wants it all. See, what we're really doing is we're setting up a false dichotomy. Because what we're doing is saying, okay, if I give 5% of my life to Jesus, Jesus doesn't want 5%. He wants it all. But see, we've gotten so lax. We've gotten so far from what Jesus wants in our life that we have to beg for 5%. Think about that. If Jesus wants it all, then no matter what I do, it's all about him anyway. See, my, my ministry is about Jesus. Your job's about your relationship with Jesus. Your family should it be all Jesus all the time. You, you with me? You catch me? It all is his. But here we are begging this morning saying, can you give 5%? Can you, can you not spare 15 minutes a day to spend time with your father? Can, can you not spend an hour and a half gathering together on Sunday morning with other believers? Or can you not spend seven hours a month spending with other believers in community together? Or is there not seven days out of all the rest of the days of your year that you can pick out and say, you know what, this day is gonna be holy to missions. I'm gonna live for Jesus this day. I'm gonna go on a mission trip or I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna do that. You know, that's, that's not a lot to ask, is it? So what we're going to do now is we're going to pray. And we're going to open the altar. And I wonder who in here today would say, you know what? 
I want to commit to at least a 5% life. I'm going to do this. Man, what a great starting place. Maybe you're being challenged, you know? What a great starting place. You've learned the life of a Jesus follower is about relationships. You learn to nurture those relationships. Now it's time to act. It's time to do something. All right? It's time to say, well, I'm going to put some action to what I've learned. The altar will be open. Maybe you're here this morning. God said, you know, you're one of those people that need the good news. You know, you've been trusting in something else other than Jesus to save you. And maybe this morning, God's opened your eyes spiritually, and the Holy Spirit's tapping on your heart and said, you know what? That preacher is talking to you. You're trying all these things to be saved. But let me tell you something. My son's the only thing that will save you. The Holy Spirit has told you that today. You need to get saved. You need to come to Christ today. Maybe God's spoken to you about uniting with our church fellowship. What a great day to come. Not a huge crowd here, but what a great day to come and be a part of the fellowship of First Baptist Level Plains. You come this morning. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.